uh, get to be the pastor here at College Hill. Uh, welcome uh, those that are here with us who braved the cold to be here and you wimps that stayed at home when it was nice and warm. Just kidding. We love you. Glad we gl- glad we have this opportunity that you can join with us as as well. Um, today we're we're really as we looked at the beginning of the uh, service. The, our call to worship in Psalm 139, that, that we are, that you are, individually, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, that, that you are created uniquely like no other. You know, the old snowflake, there's no snowflake uh, that's similar to others. Ah, great illustration that God gave us for this biblical truth. That we've each been formed by God. But I propose to you that we really don't believe that. We really don't believe that God has uniquely formed me to be me. Because we spend a whole lot of time trying to be somebody else. Instead of being who God's created us to be, uh, I try to be who maybe my parents wanted me to be. Or I go the opposite direction. I'm going to be the opposite of what my parents wanted me to be. Either way, it's not me. I'm reacting against them. Or maybe I'm, I'm trying to be the one that can the, be who I think will then make the most money or gain the most popularity. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to be the person that I think you want me to be instead of the person that God wants me to be. Yeah, can, you, you, you relate to that in some ways that we put on, you know, facades. And that we even fool ourselves. Because we don't even want to know ourselves because that can be rather scary. So we try being, try really hard being to who we aren't. And I, I remember a, a, a line of wisdom from a friend back in southern Alabama who said, if we ain't who we is, then we is who we ain't. Now, I'll let you just sit with that one for a while. You can just sort of keep that one, sort of let that. But it just captures it well for us. And so what we're going to look at today is, is David, King David. Actually, it was before he was a king. It was early in his life. That, that, that we see uh, uh, David had a, a sense of, of who he was in God, who God had created him to be, who he was uniquely. And, and, and it really plays out in this particular passage of uh, how, how we'll see how he's, he's being who God created him to be. Now, and this, this is a, um, the story that maybe a number of folks remember about David and Goliath. So Goliath was the, the, the big Philistine, he's huge, and he was a great warrior, and, and he's, the, the Israelites have gathered on one side of the battlefield, the Philistines on the other, and Goliath goes out every day and says, and, and starts cussing Yahweh, cussing Israel, and says, who will come out and, and fight me? And if you fight me and beat me, then you win. If I win, then we'll take over. And he goes out every day and nobody comes forward. So you can imagine just the uh, not, not great morale among the Israelites when they're confronted with Goliath. And um, David is taking care of the sheep. 
His father, Jesse, calls him in and says, David, I want you to go take a care package to your, all your brothers. A bunch of brothers were on the front line. Take a care package to them. Take them some food and go see them. And that's, that's where we enter into this particular story. That, that David is gathered now at the front lines with this care passage. And we have this interaction where we see David demonstrating uh, uh, an, an emotional, spiritual, personal maturity of knowing who he is, who God's created him to be, and how what God is calling him um, to do. Let's, uh, it, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll start with verse 25. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, again, we thank you for your written word that speaks to us of your truth. And we pray what we, we hear from you today that comes from your, your word you would apply in our lives. Give us ears to hear um, and uh, hearts to receive and then hands and, and feet that are, are willing to at least take the next step that you're calling us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 17, verse 25. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man, they're talking about Goliath, who has come up, surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. For you've come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fall because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he's defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lions and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor 
He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now you want to know the end of the story. If you don't you can read on. Or you can watch a movie. There's a couple really good ones. Get the whole story. But you get this scene. David he's he's now showed up at the battle scene. He's there uh, asking around about what's going on. And then who, who greets him? Who confronts him? It's his older brother. Um, uh, Eliab, who, who comes before him and, and says, what are you doing? Why are you asking so many questions? You know, you you are just that little brother type, aren't you? You know, go play with your sheep. But now you show up and you're trying to just cause all kinds of trouble. You know, I, I, I remember you. I remember the evil that you've done. You're just here to, to watch the battle. You know, so he, he goes after him only the way that an older sibling can towards a younger sibling. And, and he's, he's going at him as what, what Samuel talked about last week. You know how we can so easily live out of our insecurities instead of our security. This is a great example. Because don't you know he's ticked. He's exhausted. Eliab is, the older brother. He's, he's been there. He's wondering what can we do against this Philistine. He's doing everything that he hates and despises. And now he just sees his little brother sort of running around and, and he's like, wants to kick him to the curb. Say, what, what, get out of here. So he's, he's living out of that. But, but I want you to notice is, is David's maturity here. Hey, I'm just asking. I'm honestly here to to help. I'm not trying to start anything. And, and, And instead of engaging, instead of acting out of his insecurities, because you know siblings, they know how to push buttons. I've done it, I've received it, and I've seen it. I'm a sibling, and I have kids who have siblings. And it's amazing. And it had been really easy for David out of his insecurity. Because I'm sure, I mean, we know. We know other parts of David's story. As Michael said earlier, we're all in the same boat. We're all evil in our own ways. We all go our own way and follow not, not the ways of God. And so it had been really easy for David to act out of his insecurity here. And start battling back. There you go. You you never let me grow up. You never going to let let me finally stand on my own. Forget you. I'm going home. And the story would have ended. 
Instead, he shows some maturity here. I mean, probably embarrassed. This happened in front of everybody else. But he refuses to let that be what defines him. He he refuses to be defined by the sins of his youth. And that's a key point of this journey. If we're going to be discovering who we are, who I am, if, if part of this is necessary for me, for me to know God, I gotta know myself. It was actually John Calvin who said that. One of the Presbyterian leaders long, long time ago said, if you want to have deep knowing of God, you have to have deep knowing of yourself. And if you want to have deep knowing of yourself, you have to have deep knowing of God. Because the key point here is you are not your sins. That does not identify you. That does not define you. You are not your sins. I have found on this journey of really knowing who I am, who God has created me to be, it is absolutely necessary that that I am growing in the reality every day that God loves me. That Jesus died for me. That he was raised to new life to conquer my sins. And the Holy Spirit is within me. And for you, you must have the same. If you really want to know yourself, you've got to have uh, this, this crazy radical belief. That no, God loves me. He knows me better than I know me. He has sent his son to die for me and his spirit dwells within me. You have to know this. On this journey of self-discovery, you will never stop disappointing yourself. On this journey of self-discovery, you will never stop disappointing yourself because you will always find ways that fall short of God's goodness. We'll always fall short of being who God has created us to be. And so if I go into this thinking I'm not going to disappoint myself, then the minute I disappoint myself, I shut down and I run the other way and I no longer stay in the midst of the brokenness. And what enables me to stay there, what enables me to be honest with myself in the midst of my sin is to know that there's no fool in God. Now, I, I don't know how you are truly honest with yourself unless you have a total faith in the outlandish grace and mercy of Jesus. It is an outlandish, scandalous love and grace and mercy. That if we're really going to be on this journey of knowing self, then it has to be based on a knowledge of this Grace and mercy that is beyond our imagination. Your sin can't outrun the grace of God. My sin can't outrun the grace of God. If you don't honestly... Reflect on your sin. If I don't honestly reflect on my sin, then how will I know just how much God loves me? How will I know just how deep God's love is? How will I know all that Jesus accomplished on the cross for me? I mean, this is freedom. 
This is true freedom to be honest with myself, uh, to, to, to know that, that when I see myself, both the good and the bad, I'm not dragged down by the bad. I don't have to, to um, uh, avoid it or, or deny it or, or somehow uh, put some spin on it. I can be open and honest and not dragged down with regret and shame and insecurity because I know that God already knows it. And he's already forgiven me. And the same is true for you. When you you find that sin, when you find that brokenness, that way that you've tried to be somebody else and who God's created you to be, you you bring that to him. And why we do it every Sunday so that it is a habit. It is just a knee-jerk response. When we see our sin, we come to Jesus. We have to be firmly grounded every day in the reality of God's overwhelming affection for me and for you. That he has uniquely created you. And so the the sin, we don't run from the sin, but we're not defined by it either. We are not defined by our sins. We are defined by the loving creation of God. Now, so so David, first we see that there. He's not defined by his sins. He doesn't get stuck in them. And I think that comes from this deep understanding of God's love for him. The, the next thing, then Saul gets news. What's going on? And so he says, David, come come talk to me. Let's let let's let's talk. And, and so is there they, they meet with each other, and Saul's like, You're a youth, you know, you're you're young, you've never been on the battlefield. There's no way this can happen. And, and David says, well, let, let me tell you where I have been. I, I, I've been uh, in the shepherd's field, the, the sheep pasture. And there I've met lions and I've met bears and I've, I've taken them down. And God who protected me there will protect me here. So it's not like he's just coming out of just naive faith. He, he's coming with a lot of skill and a lot of experience based in his trust in the Lord. And so eventually... He convinces Saul, King Saul, says, okay, here you go. And then Saul does what, uh, what is, again, so, so common here. This is a common error. error. Then he says, all right, well, listen, here, here you, you, need, you need my mail. You know, that, that metal um, uh, covering over your whole body. Who knows how much that weighs? Probably weighs as much as David does. It's just, a, you know, again, a teenager, young 20-year-old. Saul's just a big man himself. Oh, and, and you need the armor. And here's my helmet, and here's my sword, and it's sort of like, it's this picture, if you ever remember when uh, you, you saw kids dressed up in their parents' clothes, you know, and they're just totally dwarfed, they're, they're in the, the, their parents' uniform or something, you know, and they're dwarfed by it, but they want to wear it. I remember my, my girls, at least, getting in Kathy's high-heeled shoes, you know, and the, the, their, their little feet barely fit into the part that was flat. And they'd go clomping around the house in these high heels shoes. Well, that's sort of what, probably what David looked like. It was almost humorous to, to consider what he looked like. And then David realized in, in the midst of this that, no, this is not who I am. This is who Saul is. But it's not who I am. And that's probably the second element that I think from here. You're not your sins and you're not who others want you to be. Or you're not the other that you want to be. 
David recognizes, no, wait a minute, this is not me. This is Saul. I don't know it need to go be Saul. I need to be me. And this is what I know. This is what God has done. This is how God has prepared me. And this is how I will go on the battlefield. I'm not a warrior. I'm a shepherd. I'm a protector and a defender of the sheep. So I'm going to go out who God has created and formed me to be. You see, this is really important. There is nobody that can do you except you. You God has has created you to be and and has organized things and has um, put things together as good and bad. God will use those to form me, he'll form you to who you are today, to be who you are, who he's called you to be today, to do the things that he's called you to do today. I am the first child, Andy and Emily Smith, born in 1964. In the affluent suburbs of Birmingham, Alabama. Just in those 20 or so words. Says a whole lot. About me. A whole lot. And. Describes nobody else. You you have the same. 20 word. 40 word. 100 word. Sentence. That describes who, who you are, some of the things that make you who you are. In that sentence about me, I had absolutely nothing to do with any of it. Nothing. It's just what God gave me. And I left a whole lot out. The same is true of you. Beautifully, uniquely, wonderfully, in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of, of broken people, God superintends and brings you to this day and this point in time right now and sends you out as you, to be you, the you that He created you to be. Rabbi Zoysia, I think was his name, had a great little story along these lines or little uh, statement Say, when I see Yahweh, I will not be asked, why were you not Moses? I will not be asked, why were you not Abraham? I will be asked, why were you not Zoysia? You, know, you, you aren't going to be somebody else. You're going to be you, and that's who God has created you to be. Uniquely, wonderfully, with your own personal limitations. And yeah, there's great freedom here when we, we come to the sense of, okay, this is who God's created me to be, what He wants me to do. There's great freedom because it gives freedom to say, no, that's not who I am. It may be a good thing, and it may, may be a, a really good thing, but it's not who God called and created me to be right now. Now, we can make that an excuse, we can make everything an excuse. But it gives us also freedom to say, yes, uh, this is what God has created me to be. This is who he's created me, what he's created me to do. 
There is nobody like you. So this journey of knowing God and knowing self is absolutely essential in our emotionally healthy spiritual development. Now, the the last thing that we see in the end of the, the story is that as it continues on, David then does go forward and he does slay Goliath. And what we realize is that David knew all along who God had created him to be and what he was created, what, what he was called to do in that moment. And he lived into that. You are who God created you to be today. Now, how do you, how do you think David had that sense? How do you think he had that great sense? I'll give you a thought. I I think it really helped in David's day to be a shepherd. Because I think the the one one way to really get in tune with who I am and who God is and who is to spend time with God. I mean, it's to spend time with God and it's to reflect. I've shared a lot recently, you know, about previewing the day and reviewing the day. In particular, on this journey of knowing who I am and knowing that part of me, the, my emotional responses and reactions to things, something that we, that at least in, in my 20 words that I just described, in that, that, in that world, in that life, emotions were not something you talked about. You sort of kept them under wraps. And you just sort of avoided them. What mattered is what you did, what you accomplished, what you achieved. And you sort of keep them down there. And then, one of the things for me that helped was I got married. And that didn't work well in a relationship with somebody else that had emotions. And, and maybe was more in tune with them. And, and, and lived, lived them out. And I'm like, whoa, hey, what's going on here? And that was a, a nice little part of that journey. But it's in, in my time with God... Asking the question, how am I emotionally responding? And reflect, I, I'd never really asked that question of myself until started premarital counseling and getting married and growing in, in Christ. Really not until seminary. They really started to address that. But I think David, being a shepherd, where he had a lot of time alone. A lot of time under the stars. A lot of time with just a few other people to interact and reflect, to review his day. How did I respond emotionally here? And to get in touch with that and to bring that before the Lord. And we see that in the Psalms. That he wrote a lot and a whole lot of emotion in the Psalms. That, that gave him that, that gift of being in tune with himself. Being in tune with God and bringing them together. Now, again, as we know, sister, he failed also. Which, in a way, is, is good news to us because we still fail. There's no achievement here. There's just a journey. I mean, David was a murderer, an adulterer. 
Yet he was a man after God's own heart. This, this is our, our journey. To know God, to know self, who God created us to be, and to do what God's calling us to do and be. Now, I encourage you, encourage you on this journey. If you're, you're wanting to say, yeah, I, I want to, how do I take a step of understanding myself even, even better? As, we, as Samuel mentioned last week, one, the growth groups is a great place to, to do that. Small group where you then you get to hear from one another. You know, how you, people, other people experience you. And that helps give you insight with one another. Uh, in the, the, the questions that we ask, one of the questions that we added to the list is, how do you emotionally respond to this passage? For those of you that are reading Mark, that's one of the questions. If you're reading through Mark, I find that to be really helpful question for me to ask. Ooh, what's going on in my gut? And where does that come from? Just to, again, understand myself better. There are other tools, things like the Myers-Briggs. I know a number of you may have heard of Myers-Briggs. And again, it's good. It's a, it's a helpful tool to maybe help us get understand. It's a sort of a personality assessment. And um, there'll be, uh, you can, uh, uh, Living Hope a counseling center, you know, right, right behind us here with uh, uh, Gene Schneider as the director. Um, they, they've got some assessments like Myers-Briggs and those kind of things. Um, also, uh, they have some uh, guidance and, and things like the, an Enneagram, if you ever heard of those. It's another tool that can be used. Again, none of those are gospel. None, none of those are um, uh, that everything is perfectly right. They're just helpful on this journey of reflecting upon who God has created me to be. Another one is called the genogram, G-E-N-O-G-R-A-M. And that was one that I did in seminary. And you just sort of go back and you look at your family of origin. And you just sort of think about the relationships that were in your family and how those impacted you and how they made you who you are Today, another uh, great tool. If you're in a growth group, growth groups gave a, I sent you uh, just a couple links to some things you can use for the genogram and also the the Myers Briggs. Um, if you're in, if you want to check up out the uh, enneagram, it's at similarminds.com. It's one word, similarminds.com. You can go there and look up the. They have a test that can help you with that. But a number of different ways. Just explore. Who am I? Who has God created me to be? And, uh, and this is a journey. One sermon isn't going to answer that question. But I hope what it's done is we've seen how David demonstrated who he was and demonstrated in that passage some of the things that are common ways that get us off track. But that open you up to the whole notion of, yeah. Let me try to understand who I am today. And, and to do that by, by taking a look and reflecting on before the Lord, what is my emotional response to this passage, to this event, to this conversation? Reflecting back on why did I respond the way that I did in this conversation and, and thinking about that. And maybe even having a trusted friend or Group where you can even share with one another. Now, there, there will be, and we'll be talking about in the upcoming weeks, particular pointed elements in our lives that were 
caused great grief or a great trauma, and you, you're like, all right, God, what do I learn from that? Well, that, that may take more than just a conversation with a neighbor. That, that may take um, going to, to Living Hope or talking to Living Hope and saying, what are some good resources for me to enter into whatever this trauma and grief is and uh, with the Lord? And again, we'll have, those will actually be topics um, as, we, as we move forward. But, from he, but hear and be reminded the beauty that you, you, Becky, you, Dave, you, Paul, you, Susan, you are made beautifully, uniquely to be you. What a joy that we get to live into the unique person God has created us to be and look forward to that day when Jesus returns and makes all things right and we will live into that fully greater than we can even imagine. Let's join together in that journey. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do give you thanks uh, that you and your beauty and wonder and marvel, you, you create us, each individual, and you've, you've created us as, as this community. And we, we, we pray, Lord, that you will help us to learn more about ourselves so that we might learn more about you. And as we learn more about you, we learn more about ourselves to, to be all that you've created us to be, to know our limitations, uh, to know our preferences, commitments, all for your glory and your honor. Uh, we, we pray, uh, Lord, that you will continue to, to, to strengthen us as a church to know who you've called us to be and what your plans are for us for the future. Lord, in those, those places where there is um, grief, where there is loss, there, there is real trauma and, and, and evil terror in, that has intersected our lives, will you uh, lead us into healing? Continue to remind us in our own when we recognize and are disappointed in our own selves and shame and regret, Lord, that we bring that to you. And that you free us, you overwhelm us, wash us clean. Not only that we know it, but that we feel it in the depths of our being. Lord, we uh, lift up uh, to you as well different needs that are b- before us and pray your, your continued healing upon those that are sick, recover, for those that are recovering from surgery. We pray your, your blessing um, upon them. We, we pray uh, for um, particularly this, this season of this uh, cold that you would continue to protect and provide uh, for your people. We, we thank you uh, for those who um, care for folks who are currently experiencing homelessness. In, in deadly uh, weather, we, we pray that you would continue to multiply their capacity. And that you would be providing basic shelter for, for all. We, we continue to, to pray as well, Lord, for our world. We pray for our brothers and sisters and 
and Ukraine and Russia and Israel and Palestine and China and Taiwan and Ecuador, other places where there's just great upheaval and and war and, and destruction or great threats of war. We pray, particularly for your church, that they would know who you've created them to be and they would be a beacon of light in the midst of such darkness. We lift all these things up to you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.